Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And if you're interested in watching or, uh, the game, it's on CBS today. If you're interested in listening, you can check it on at SiriusXM with the home team broadcast, David Gellum and the crew, channel 191, um, 2.30 Central Time on SiriusXM. Or, or you can do use the SXM app, search Ole Miss Rebels. I'm here with Brian Smith. He is the recruiting guru um, for Locked On, and we're going to talk a little bit recruiting. We're going to talk a little bit about Ole Miss and Alabama, but I do want to let everybody know about LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn is the college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On Podcast Network. LinkedIn helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college, not locked on. All right. So, Brian, welcome, man. Welcome back. How you doing, bud? Doing very well. This has been a lot of fun to cover football at the high school and college level the last few weeks. Uh, obviously, the third segment we're going to talk about briefly with the uh, Crimson Tide is rather unique. Mm-hmm. I actually put up a Rather crazy tweet that I never thought I would put up earlier today about them giving up 12 sacks in three games. Never thought I'd see Alabama giving up four sacks a game, bro. Never mm. thought I'd see that. But uh, we'll get to – yeah, I know. that. I was like, did I read that correctly? Yep, yep, yeah. I sure did. So it's been a lot of fun, man. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. And we'll, we'll get the recruiting out of the way at the beginning. And the first thing that we need to talk about is Deuce Knight committed to Notre Dame. Now, he visited Ole Miss several times. He – transferred to Tennessee and back to George County and all of that. But Notre Dame did have a little bit of momentum moving forward. Um, I, in a situation like this, Ole Miss has committed players about this time of year, each class, and none of those players stuck. So I'm not going to lose too much sleep about it, but um, Deuce Knight committing to Notre Dame is at least notable. There's a couple of things. As, as somebody that has followed Notre Dame his whole life, they, they don't get many kids out of the South like this unless one of the following categories is there. They got serious ties to the area or they're just really academically inclined. He's a 4-0 kid. Mm-hmm. Like he wants the degree. It means something to him. Most kids don't care about it anymore. So they're probably a little bit more of a threat, but I still wouldn't guarantee you he's going to sign with Notre Dame. They got an elite quarterback in the class ahead of him. Um, it's Lloyd Carr's grandson, ironically. So it, it's interesting that he picked Notre Dame and he picked him so early. Like he could have went to Alabama, he could have went to Ole Miss, could have went to a lot of places, and he picked Notre Dame this early. I, th- I thought that was unique. Yeah, the the two names that we actually heard, the other one, um, I, I forget his last name, uh, but it was Keelan something. He just committed to SMU, so both of them came off the board just like right off that. And it's like everybody, calm down. We have a long way to go. At this time last year, it was all Demon Williams, and we all were talking about Demon Williams and. Obviously, with Trevor Jackson, that's not the the way it went. And you sent me photos of Trevor. So, um, did you actually see Jones play? Yeah, yeah, I went and saw him play. They they rotate a couple of guys. They got two quarterbacks that are power five. It's one of the only schools in the country. It's bizarre. Uh, they got a sophomore, and they got him, and then they they rotate him. But whatever. Um, very mobile kid can throw it a lot of different places. Just has to keep learning. He's, he fits what Lane wants to do, though. He's an RPO kid that can go over the top, and if you don't pay attention, he's running by you. Mm. 
Yeah, he's, he's a really good um, football player. Do you see – do you think there's a chance he could end up in Orlando in January? Because I mean, he's highly ranked on the ESPN charts and their rankings, and we know that ESPN and Under Armour, they're kind of attached at the hips. He's from there so they can save a little money getting him to the game. And, I, I don't know. That's an interesting pick. I mean, I don't know – what will happen with these all-star games because kids commit to them. And believe me, there's insane pressure to get them to commit. It's insane mm. because these networks want to be able to broadcast five-star, five-star, five-star so they can sell their advertising flat mm. out. It's ugly. But at the same time, he is right down the street. I mean, mm. where they're playing the all-star game at is literally next to the high school where he goes to school. They're about two blocks apart, mm. literally. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy. So, I I don't know that that would be interesting because he could go to a lot of different All Star games and stuff. I don't think he cares. Really balanced kid, really down to earth. He's one of my favorite guys in the state of Florida. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I just think um with everything that's been going on with Disney and them trying to save a little bit of money, this might be a situation where you're taking six quarterbacks and you just you invite the kid that's from next door so you don't have to pay. $2,000 for a plane ticket or something like that. And yeah, yeah I, I think it's something that we should keep an eye on as this moves forward. And, and personally, selfishly, I'm rooting for that because I want Ole Miss players in the Under Armour All-American game because it matters. selfishly, I'm there. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it matters mm. from a prestige standpoint. Mm. I know that a lot of these mailing packets and the phone calls they make to the next batch of recruits, 25, 26, et cetera, Hey, we just had four guys in this all-star game or that all-star game or combined. That matters. These kids want to hear that you're getting great players because they want to play with great players. So we've talked a little bit about some of the 25 guys in Mississippi, and we'll talk more about it later in the year after there's more data to analyze. But it does make a difference, and maybe Ole Miss ends up with two or three kids like that out of Florida. This state, you and I, when we both live in Central Florida, you never know when kids are going to change their mind Ole Miss could end up with five kids from Ford in this recruiting class, and it wouldn't shock me. It really would. Yeah, it's quite interesting. And, heck, it, with Kevin Smith and the roots that Lane Kiffin has in south and central Florida, I mean, you have a situation like Chris Graves after a year. He just decides that he didn't play enough at Miami and decides he wants a fresh start. Well, Kevin Smith is kind of that guy. He knew him from the Miami staff, and he goes up there and – they get good players that way. And he's a fringe top 100 player. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. Let's turn our attention to the Ole Miss Alabama game. And first we're going to mix recruiting with the Ole Miss Alabama game. We Luke Robinson, I think on locked on Bama talked about how Caleb Odom was going to be at the game. This, this is impactful for Ole Miss because Ole Miss is probably the two in this situation and they're going to recruit that kid all the way through to the end. And if Ole Miss can win, this might be the game with him seeing that with his own eyes that might get Caleb Odom to Oxford. I was talking to you about this before the show, but there's this, you know, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but the, the Alabama quarterback room is bad. And it's not because it doesn't have talent. It's just, there's, it's not where Buckner's the one kid. I know he's, he's just not any good, but he's not going to play anymore. The young kid's a redshirt freshman, too early. Okay, fair enough. But the other kid has played quite a bit, make a great play, make a great play, and then he just throws it to the wrong team. I mean, he would – not that I have any hair, but if I was a coach, I would lose my hair. Coaching, that would drive me nuts. 
And he's a 230 pound kid that could probably line up and dot the eye for Ohio State, too. I mean, he's that kind of athlete. So it's frustrating. But they can't throw the ball, man. I mean, they were struggling with University of South Florida. Steven, that's not a good sign. Yeah, at all. About the, about the nicest thing I can say about USF right now is they have a really nice wrought iron fence. That that is probably the extent of it. <laughs> yeah, like they, they they played solid against Bama, but Bama couldn't complete a pass. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I don't know if Bama's just come out fired up and all that, but at the end of the day, you still got to block and tackle, and you still got to throw and catch. They just can't score. And the other stat I told you, you know, talking about it early, like twelve sacks. Part of that's on the inexperience at quarterback, but they're nowhere near traditional Bama standards because they don't have any cohesiveness. They got some individual parts that'll still probably get drafted, one in particular, but it's a five-man unit. We both know how hard O-line is for being around this game forever. When was the last time you saw an O-line for the Tide this discombobulated? Yeah, and a true freshman left tackle. That's never good, man. Caden Proctor, really talented. He ain't ready. You can tell yeah. he's not ready. He, 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 they're going to be dudes. They're, they have like 78 players out of their 85 that are considered blue chip athletes at Alabama. Nobody would, yeah, nobody would be surprised if Alabama rose up against Ole Miss and they looked right. Those players playing like four- and five-star players, that shouldn't surprise anybody. But if they play like they've shown this season through three games, and that's enough of a sample size to where you can kind of make an, a judgment on a team, I think Ole Miss can win this game. I think Ole Miss should win this game if they play like they did the first three games. I will be surprised if they do not. Mm-hmm. In close games, what position dictates the outcome more than any other? Quarterback. Quarterback. Mm-hmm. Who has the better quarterback, Stephen? Yeah, that Jackson Dart. Yeah, no doubt. Ole Miss. I mean, there are exceptions to this. If you have a team that just has an incredibly glaring weakness that another team can attack, that does happen. But Ole Miss's defense, while not the 1978 Pittsburgh Steelers, is not as bad as it's been in other years. And I think they'll be able to hold Alabama off, even if they have a quote-unquote uptick. And that's why I think they'll just outscore them. And I I think they'll be in quote-unquote advantageous field position situations because, again, Milrose, he's a good athlete, phenomenal athlete. He's not consistent enough. There's going to be at least one freebie from a pick, a strip sack fumble, something where Ole Miss is going to get a free touchdown right off the bat or be first and 10 at the Alabama 17 or something to start a drive. That's how you lose football games against quality competition. I'll take the Rebels. You know, the funny thing is Lane Kiffin has been known for his going forward, his aggressiveness on fourth down and things like that. Against an offense that struggles to drive the football, wouldn't I know it what be advantageous? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Punt, punt the football, right? Make them drive. I mean, I, last year there was a couple of games like that. Uh, Ohio State hosted Notre Dame, and Ohio State's offense wasn't doing good. They had a couple fourth and shorts. They punted, put Notre Dame inside their 20. Notre Dame didn't have a quarterback. They weren't driving the length of the field. Ohio State's offense looked like garbage for the most part, but they won by 11. I don't think – Lane real. I mean, he wants to score. He's an offensive guy, but if you told him right now we're winning 21 20, he would sign his name and hand it to you and walk right off that set. You know mm. what I mean? He wouldn't care. And he shouldn't. You just want to win. It's it's rare to win in Bryant Denny, no matter the program. 
But Nick Saban is still on that other sideline. And that's the guy that he reveres more than anybody else, and he should. So Alabama, I mean, they got to prove that they can go the length of field regardless. But I'm like you. Fourth and three at midfield with Jackson Dart, I understand. But unless Milrow comes out and shows something in that first quarter, like really is, okay, he's accurate today. Everything's clicking. Punt. Make him go 85 yards. How many drives do you think that he's going to go against an SEC defense 80 plus? 20%, 15%, maybe. You know, I, like that's that would be my guess. Historically, the historically the odds aren't good. Yeah, even with quality quarterbacks, but a kid yeah. that's mentally not been in the right place all the time, the picks kind of dictate that and some of the throws that should have been picks. So yeah, I would I would let him try to go the length field. Now the offense that they've been running is the offense that they put in. That, that I mean that 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 is what Tommy Reese has built. Sure. And as somebody that has followed Notre Dame and obviously has an idea of what Tommy Reese can do, is the quarterback run game, is the quarterback powers, is that a staple or something that Tommy Reese is even comfortable doing as an offensive coordinator? He did it some with Buckner, um, but at the same time, that's not his first choice. He wants to run the L.A. Rams offense. They don't have the guy to do it. I mean, eventually, this will probably be Tommy's last college gig. He wants to be in the NFL. Everything I've been told is he wants to be in the NFL. And blessing forward, I mean, that I get it. It's the highest level. But the quarterbacks at that level just do things differently. They're advanced. You can't run what he wants to run consistently with what Notre Dame's had a quarterback, but he's the one who recruited Buckner. So I mm-hmm. yeah, I never understood that one in the first place. But anyhow, they brought him to Alabama. Yeah, when they did that, I laughed. <laughs> I laughed because it's a terrible fit. It's a terrible fit. And the kid's got the yips. I mean, he throws it at the feet of somebody from 15 feet away. It's he's got the yips. So anyway, mm-hmm. Milrow is their guy. I think you're going to see a little bit of what we were just talking about towards Alabama the other direction. I don't think Bama is going to be ultra, I could be wrong on this, ultra aggressive fourth and three, fourth and one or two maybe, but they're going to try to rely on their defense, which is still pretty stout, and force Ole Miss to go the distance. And they're looking for a big play or something because they're not going to win. If if Ole Miss gets to 30 before the fourth quarter, there's zero chance Bama's winning. There's zero chance. They don't, unless they get like two kickoff returns for a touchdown or something wild like that. No way. So they got to make Ole Miss go the length of the field and, I'm curious because Nick has kind of reverted a little bit back to his old mean with running the ball. And I understand it. He had to, but Bill Rowe, I don't know if you heard about it. Didn't do real well last week in practice. And that's one of the reasons he didn't play. He wasn't real happy about how the reps were being distributed and all that. So there's disenchantment. Anyway, if Ole Miss gets them down like 13 to nothing going into the second quarter or something like that, this game could go sideways. Yeah. It would be hilarious too. I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. Just so you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was looking at something like is if you told me this game was a boat race that that is the scenario that I um, envision happening. Sure, uh, and I, and the funny thing is, all week during the podcast, that's like Ole Miss needs to eliminate eliminate explosive plays by Milrow. He's a actually yeah. a decent deep ball thrower. He is not good short. Yeah. He is not good intermediate, but he can. He can it's duck so bizarre, it and chuck it. it. Yeah. It's unbelievable. He's got a cannon too. I mean, it's yeah. not a lack of arm strength that's bothering the young man. It's yeah. just weird that he throws those looping passes that are so hard mm. with accuracy, but then he can't hit the 12 yard in, in route or something. And it's just like, that doesn't make any sense, but yeah. 
He's got and, the yips but, on those too, man. I don't know. But you have a situation. I was like, if if you allow Alabama to hit a couple of those and Milrow to get comfortable and the crowd to believe and Alabama gets oh, to 30 sure. points, I I think once he, 30 points is the magic number for Ole Miss because anything above that, Ole Miss's offense is going to have trouble scoring that because Alabama has four and five-star players that have good players. I think this game – is going to end up looking like the Ole Miss-Alabama game from 2014, not the game from 2015, and you're going to see a 23-17, a 24-21. I think that is the type of game um, that this is going to end up being. I, I've got it pretty similar. Um, mm -hmm. I also think that there's another kind of scoring, and that's the gift kind. And that's mm -hmm. why I think Ole Miss will actually get over 30, but it won't be because of Jackson Dart's right arm. Yeah. But it might be because of Jalen Melrose. <laughs> yeah, it, it should it, it should be interesting, and and the it's also very weird in this game um, because the whole country is eagerly awaiting. I feel like one of the few times that the whole country is rooting for Ole Miss because they want to see that oh, nail 100%. Bit get put in the coffin of Alabama, and uh, that that is a weird feeling. And I told people I'm kind of um, uncomfortable with how confident I am about this football game. Because it's not in your norm. Yeah. Name name five times in your life where you thought definitively Ole Miss was going to beat Alabama. Name three. None. That's what I mean, because Alabama yeah. always has more talent, period. Yeah. And, and, the, and the weird thing is in this game, and, and this is going to sound like a situation that is difficult, but in games when Ole Miss has had clearly the better quarterback, which has not happened often, Ole Miss has won more often than they've lost. Eli Manning beat him, sure. beat him twice. Chad Kelly won. And even Bo Wallace was better than Blake Sims. Uh, but if it was close, like Bryce Young and Matt Corral, the talent everywhere else makes up for it. And, and it's just a really hard yep. hard road, road to hope. When Alabama has quarterback talent, it's Katie bar the door. You know you're not going to just beat them in the trenches. It's been the case for a hundred years. It ain't going to change anytime soon. But right now, you got to kick it when it's down. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to put it on them, I mean, this would be your opportunity. If Ole Miss lays an egg in any way, shape, or form in this game, you and I will talk about it for the rest of our lives. Because we're not going to see a situation. I mean, in my opinion, Dart has the chance to be paid to play pro football. I'm not saying he's going to be a starter, but he'll at least make a roster for a while. Big arm athlete, all that. I, I think, think Jackson so. Dart has a chance to eventually. This is a type game that could springboard him to be in New York. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, he could end up being a first round because he has the measurables. That oh, he yeah, just can't teach. Unbelievably toolsy. So, if he comes out here and Wayne is, in my opinion, as good a play caller as there is, and I'm hoping this is the other thing because I, I looked it up. I know Judkins is not anywhere near. 100% because he's literally averaging 3.3 yards carry. Zero chance he's been healthy. I'm guessing he may only get 10 or 12 carries, but they'll spell him. And they've got other guys, Ulysses and some other guys. I'm not ashamed to say that this is the closest Ole Miss is probably going to get at the skill spots. They got Trigg. I mean, that guy is as matchup nightmare as it gets. That guy's usually playing for Alabama. Mm -hmm. Like one of these guys has got to make that play where you go and the announcer will say something like, well, that's going to do it for Alabama. Like you go up by 17 or something, you go up 31 to 14 late in the third quarter because they gave up, you know, block punt, interception, something like that. And two plays later, Dart 
finds Trigg for a touchdown and he takes it off somebody's head in the corner of the end. They need a moment play and they got the skill guys to do it, but you can't let that go by. Yeah. And I know, you know what I'm saying? Like when you get a chance to put them down, you got to shoot old yeller. You can't just sit there and cry, but you got to shoot old yeller. And this is, this is their chance, man. And it's in Bryant Denny. I mean, you can't make it any better than this for Ole Miss. Really, you can't. Yeah, it should be pretty good. Also, um, I haven't talked about this all week, but I think the screen game could be important. Um, Ole Miss hasn't necessarily shown that through Judkins and Bentley and maybe even some tight end type screen where they can take advantage of some of the fast flow defenses with that they've been running up against Ole Miss. And, and a lot of Judkins' problem that, that he is seeing this year is when he's in the game and they run the ball, it's kind of like that Madden play of engage eight. And it's almost always an inside zone and, and everybody's just shooting gaps and movement. Uh, so they, they do need to be a little bit more creative with Quinshawn and get him outside and counters and things like that to where he doesn't have to necessarily do that because it's just that and that shotgun toss play. And that's really all that they've been doing this season to, with him. I wouldn't be surprised if Dart took off a couple extra times this game, maybe even naked boot inside the 10 because he's got the athleticism, obviously. He's taking around the, the SEC and rushing. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's mm-hmm. he's a very unique athlete because he's a big pocket quarterback, like the way he looks his stature. Oh, he's a no, he's not a pocket guy. He's a run pass guy. His his numbers back it up, but he doesn't just look at him. You're like, eh, he looks like a big pocket quarterback. Not so yeah, I, I've been saying this after the Georgia Tech game about Jackson Dart, and he he is a much better passer than Tim Tebow. I'm not saying that. He has a little Tim Tebow in his game. He can run up. Look, he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be my first choice to take on in a one-on-one with a quarterback. I mean, no. that wouldn't even be in the same stratosphere. That's a big human being. So third and goal from the two or inside it, quarterback sneak, quarterback draw, quarterback option, RPO, any of those plays, he's a possibility to get the football. And that's another way you can beat Alabama at the wrong game. Because usually it's Alabama's quarterback that, can scramble around and make a play where they're running or throwing. But Ole Miss is certainly in that category as well. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and enjoy the football game today. You can catch it on SiriusXM Channel 191, the David Kellum home team broadcast for the Ole Miss Rebels. You can also search Ole Miss Rebels on the SXM app. Um, anyway, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody enjoys the game. Tune in for the pregame show at about 2.30 Eastern time, 1.30 Central time. We'll be on there with John Macon Gillespie talking about the storylines leading up to the football game. But, Brian, man, thank you so much, and um, we'll see you next week, bud. All right, buddy. You have a great day.